On Monday, January 19, 2009, at around 11.30 p.m., 41-year-old Althita Vaught from Tulsa, Oklahoma, left her home in what seems to be a hurry after a strange phone call. She vanished into the night just to never be seen or heard from again. A few days later, Althita's car was shown on the surveillance camera of a local hospital, driving into the parking garage. A little over 30 minutes after, an unidentified truck is shown on the camera driving in, then leaving out sometime after, while Althita's car never left. Althita's car was shown on surveillance, but she never does. This is the Missing Found Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Harlow. Before we get into the case, I have a few details to share about the show. The Missing Found is a true crime podcast focusing mainly on unsolved missing person cases in the Black community. The cases that I cover have either gone cold, have little to no media coverage, or have gone without conclusion. You can follow the show on Instagram at The Missing Found. I also would like to mention that we have a case suggestion form in the show notes or description box that you can complete to submit your case suggestions that are of the Black and Missing. I ask that you please like, share, and subscribe, and comment to share your thoughts on this case. This is case episode two, The Disappearance of Althita Vaught. In our world today, there is so much pressure. The pressure to look a certain way, talk a certain way, but through that we also experience so many joys. One of those joys are the birth of new beginnings. A birth of a child brings new beginnings. A life that has not experienced the affliction of the world, and we hope that the new life would never experience it. We make plans of what that child will become, think about their personality, and what their future may hold. Even before the baby is born, these plans and excitement take lead. This was the excitement and joy Althea had for her soon-to-be-born grandson, which would make her a first-time grandmother. But that opportunity to see the birth of her grandson was taken from her. In today's case analysis, we're discussing the disappearance of Althea Vault, a 41-year-old mother of three and soon-to-be grandmother who went missing from her home in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Now, there is not a lot of public information on Althea, her background, or more in-depth details about the case, but I will share what we know from what has been publicly released, the story and findings surrounding her disappearance, discuss the facts of the case, and at the end, I will share my thoughts on what may have happened. The Birth of Something New Althea Vernon Vaught was born on July 7, 1967. Into her adult years, Althea worked at a nursing facility called Tulsa Nursing Center for 10 years as a certified nursing assistant and was considered to be a reliable employee that would not miss work without proper notice. She helped the elderly, you know, in in the nursing facility. Um, She did that for about 10 years. All her elderly people loved her. Althea is a mother of three adult children, two sons and one daughter, but lived with two, Tiana and Emmanuel Thomas. All three lived at the 3600 block of South New Haven Avenue in Tulsa. Tiana, Althea's daughter, was pregnant with a baby boy and expected to give birth any day. 
Althea was excited about becoming a grandmother and would not miss the birth of her grandson for anything. A strange call. On January 19, 2009, it was a regular night for the vault residents. Althea was doing some light cleaning before bedtime. Around 9 p.m., Althea started getting ready for bed. Her son, Emmanuel, was up watching a basketball game and her daughter, Tiana, had already went to bed. At around 11.30 p.m., Althea received a phone call to her cell phone. Emmanuel was still up at this time and he did hear her phone ring but could not hear the conversation. He recalls not hearing his mom say much on the call. It is not known how long the call lasted or if or what Althea said during the call. Afterwards, Althea was heard leaving out of the house and left in almost an abrupt fashion with only her cell phone in her pajamas and without announcement, which is uncharacteristic for her. And that was the last time her children saw her. Now, I also want to note that her son Emmanuel did not hear her car start. This is not to say Althea did not get in or drive her car, but he did not hear it start. Now, I will go into this with my opinion later into the analysis. At around 2 a.m., Tiana, Althea's daughter, gets up to go to the bathroom. She noticed that her mom's TV and heater was still on. At this time, no red flags were raised because she assumed her mom just fell asleep with her TV on. So Tiana went back to bed. A missed shift and a concerned boyfriend. The next day, Tuesday, January 20th, 2009, Althea had a shift for 7 a.m. at her job at the nursing facility. Althea had a boyfriend named Chris Smith, and he was calling her phone, and he was just not getting an answer. At around 1 p.m. on Tuesday, the same day, she did not show up for work. Chris, Althea's boyfriend, contacted her daughter Tiana to see if she heard from her. Chris instructed Tiana to contact her job since it was unorthodox for her to not answer. Understandably concerned, she contacted her mom's job and found out that Althea did not show up for her shift. Tiana and her brothers called Althea's phone, and it went straight to voicemail. Tiana went to her mom's room and noticed that the TV and heater were both still on, but her pajamas and slippers were gone and her bed was made as if she never got into the bed that night of January 19th. Tiana reached back out to Chris to report her findings, and Chris instructs her to report her mother missing. Tiana reported Althea missing. Almost right away, Detective Marcus Harper from Tulsa Police Department began looking into her case. Detective Harper started speaking with family, neighbors, and co-workers to see if they knew anything or if neighbors saw her leave out the previous night. Wherever she was going, she wasn't going far or wasn't going to be gone for a long time. The employees at her job were adamant that it was unlike Althea to miss work without proper notice. Althea attended work pretty regularly and was very reliable. On January 23rd, Tiana gave birth to her baby boy, all while Althea has not surfaced or made any contact. Up until January 23rd, There were no leads or updates in the case. However, on January 24th, Althea's green 1995 Infinity J30 was located in the Hillcrest Medical Center parking deck. To note, the medical center is about 10 minutes from Althea's home, a pretty short drive. Once Detective Harper heard about the vehicle, the PD placed a no-touch hold on it to preserve the vehicle for evidence. 
Her vehicle was left abandoned and looked as if it would just park there and left. The surveillance tape. Security at Hillcrest Medical Center were contacted to see if there was any footage showing Althea on camera. In the surveillance footage, it showed the most valuable lead to date. The video had shown an unidentified 2003 white Chevrolet extended cab pickup truck drive into the parking garage at around 11.55 p.m. Then 35 minutes later, Althea's green 1995 Infiniti J30 pulls in. Truck arrives in the hospital parking garage. About 35 minutes later, Althea's car drives in. No other cars enter or exit between the time the pickup pulls in and Althea's car arrives. No other vehicles enter the garage at this time. I want to mention that there have been some conflicting reports stating that Althea's car drove into the parking garage first, then the white truck drove in. The white truck had a distinguishing insignia of three triangles on the left door, and because of the angle of the surveillance camera, you are unable to view who was driving the truck and the same with Althea's car. You just could not see who was driving and if anyone was in the passenger seat. Eventually, the unidentified white truck did leave the parking deck, but there was no footage other than that. There is also no footage of Althea's car leaving because it never left the parking deck and without any sign of Althea. It was never found out who was the driver or owner of the pickup truck or if Althea was driving her car that night or early morning. With this new information and the case being at a standstill, since the driver nor the truck featuring three triangles logo could be identified, Tiana and her brother Emmanuel and the family were all calling Althea's phone, but it was disconnected. They've continued to call over the next days, weeks, and months. Randomly, six months later, Tiana and her brothers called Althea's phone, and it rung five or six times, then went to voicemail. The voicemail recording used to have a musical tone, with it now oddly just announcing her name, Althea Vaught. In order for this to happen, Someone had to manually change this feature. Not only was her voicemail recording changed, it was Althea's voice on the recording, announcing her name, but the tone of her voice sounded tired, as if she were drugged or on a substance that, caused, that causes a torpid tone. I have a direct quote from Tiana Thomas regarding the strange voicemail change she noticed. Quote, It rang five, six times and went to voicemail, and said, you have reached Althea Vault, which is her name, and it was her voice. She sounded real tired and drugged. We called back, and a guy answered named David, and he said he got the phone from Cricket and couldn't get that voicemail off there. End quote. And this is what Tiana had told to News on 6. When the family called Althea's phone back, someone named David answered, and he said he mentioned, in part, that he purchased the phone from Cricket and he was trying to remove the voicemail from the phone. If you purchase or get a phone from Cricket Wireless, why is there still the previous owner's voicemail still on the phone? Wouldn't the phone be wiped clean and prepared for sale? After that, there has been no new leads or updates in the case. So let's get into the facts. The fast facts. Fact 1. Althea was a reliable employee who did not miss work without proper notice, and she typically informed her children where she was going. 
On January 19th, she did not. Instead, she left in a hurry. Fact two. She still had her pajamas and slippers on, and her headscarf was also missing, so she may have had that on too, and only took her cell phone. This means she did not plan to stay out all night. It most likely was supposed to be a quick encounter, and it doesn't seem like she was prepared to go into a facility since she was in pajamas. And when I say facility, I'm referring to Hillcrest Medical Center, the hospital where her vehicle was found. Fact three. Whoever called her must have had some form of sentimental value to her to leave home at that hour. Most likely someone she felt she can trust or someone she truly cared for. She was tired that night and preparing for bed. Fact four. She would have not missed the birth of her grandchild. Fact five. Althea's home address to Hillcrest Medical Center is exactly 10 minutes and four miles away. Fact six, the white truck entered the garage first. Then 35 minutes later, Althea's car enters the garage. Remember, from Althea's house to Hillcrest Medical Center is only a 10-minute drive. You know, this case was a tough one to cover. Not because of the lack of details, but more so because it just shows that one event can cause so much transformation. In this situation, that one event is the phone call. This is another case that I feel is solvable and time was the most valuable asset, just like with every case. Remember, no one knew she was actually missing until she didn't show up to work and couldn't be reached that next day on Tuesday, January 20th. So the big question is, who called Althea so late and why? Where was she going? Who was she supposed to meet up with? Was this meetup supposed to be just outside of her front door only and plans quickly changed to take a ride somewhere? Did she get in or was forced in the passenger seat of another car? Perhaps the white Chevy pickup truck and maybe someone else took her car that rode with the driver of the white truck. But then why would they drive to the hospital? Did the person or people responsible for her disappearance know her adult children were home? Were they trying to get Althea from her home to follow through with whatever plan in Hillcrest Medical Center was the meetup or drop-off spot? We can almost suggest that Althea may have met with foul play. The meetup location. I want to touch back on the possible meetup. If that was Althea in her car driving into the parking garage of the hospital 35 minutes after the white truck, could it be because the person in the white truck is the one who called her? I mean, 35 minutes is a pretty extensive time to arrive when your home is only 10 minutes away. If something did happen outside of her home or elsewhere, it leaves ample window of opportunity because Althea's home is in such close proximity to the hospital. So she would have gotten there by 11.45 at the latest since she received the call at 11.30 p.m. Once she received the call, she left her home immediately after. So we have to account for the time to walk to her car, to start it up, traffic lights, and a few minutes of delay. So that is why I say she would have arrived to the hospital at 11.45 p.m. If she pulled off soon after walking out of her house and she drove her car versus leaving in someone else's. Like I mentioned earlier in the analysis, 
there are conflicting reports that says her car arrived first, then the white truck arrived. But that is not true. Althea's car drove in to the garage 35 minutes after the white truck. This is why I believe there was a plot and more than one person was involved. It's a huge window of time for something to take place. Because the call came in to Althea at 11.30 p.m., just 25 minutes later, the white truck pulls into the garage after that call. Do you see where I'm going with this? Whatever got her out of her bed and into the streets and with her pajamas, it means something was urgent and she had to go. She felt it was urgent enough to just leave without putting on actual clothes and shoes. Whatever Althea was doing or wherever she was going, it was supposed to be quick and it was with someone who had to have some meaning to her. And whatever it was that got her out of the house was an urgent request and I think a setup. It was so urgent that she couldn't even tell her son where she was going or say anything upon leaving out of her front door because it was supposed to be quick and with someone she trusted. That element alone speaks volumes because someone may have been plotting on her who she deemed as someone who she may have considered to be trustworthy or a friend. Another thing that sticks out to me is the person on the other end of the phone did not seemingly have any concern on whether she would tell her kids where she was going. Because if Althea did share who called and where she was going to Emmanuel, since he was still up at that hour, that lead alone would be significant in answering the two questions. Who called and where did she go or was supposed to go? We also don't know if there were any outgoing or incoming calls while she was driving or after she left home, which I, I should note, I highly doubt that was her driving into the garage. I wonder was the incoming call that she received to her cell phone was ever traced? Could it be that the person called from a burner phone or a burner app? A burner phone is an inexpensive mobile phone designed for temporary, sometimes anonymous use, after which it may be discarded. Now, a burner phone app allows you to purchase additional phone numbers that you can use to make and receive calls and texts from your primary cell phone. I'm not sure if law enforcement has this information. Perhaps the two persons of interest could be one of the callers. We just don't have this information because it was not publicly released. More than one person involved. Looking at this case, I believe there was more than one person involved. Police would like to speak to the owner of the white truck, but they have not been able to identify the driver or owner, nor has anyone claimed the vehicle. Watching the surveillance video, it's almost like Althea's car was driven and placed there to throw things off. The white truck then conveniently left the garage, but it's not to our knowledge how soon after. Another angle would be that the truck may not be involved, but whoever drove Althea's car didn't just vanish. They had to leave. And they most likely left with the driver in the white truck. I'm thinking maybe a quick drop-off, jump-in, pull-out. One person drives to the meet-up location, the white truck. The other accomplice drives Althea's car to the meet-up location. The driver of Althea's car jumps into the white truck as the passenger. The driver of the white truck and passenger leave together, which the other car, Althea's car, is basically dumped and left abandoned at the hospital. 
Police did speak to two persons of interest, but they did not find anything. Their cars and homes were searched, but nothing came out of it. It is unclear who those two persons of interest were, why they were considered persons of interest, nor their relationship to Althita. A 10-minute drive that took 35 minutes. As stated, I took a look at her home address on New Haven Avenue, and it is exactly 10 minutes from Hillcrest Medical Center. Her home has a great amount of trees in front of it, making it possibly difficult to see the road from a window in her home. This factor would make it difficult to see what car she got into. You know, we have to consider all angles. Was Althea having an affair outside of her relationship with Chris, her boyfriend? She left in a hurry without saying anything. So was this person who called someone that she kept private? What reason would they want to kidnap or harm Althea? This makes me believe that something may have been going on in her life that she underestimated or kept private. I've considered Chris, her boyfriend, but he was questioned by authorities and is not listed as a person of interest that we know of. The Answered Cell Phone and David As for the cell phone, the phone was turned off or either disconnected or both. Then six months later, the voicemail recording was different than the typical music tone she had. According to Althea's children, she sounded drugged. I can't even come to the conclusion on why her voicemail was changed after six months. Cricket Wireless stopped accepting trade-in phones in 2020. So at that time, if it were true, since we don't know, someone could have traded in her phone. If David the guy who answered the phone, claimed he purchased it from Cricket was telling the truth of where he got the phone. This means someone sold the phone to Cricket or traded it in. That leads to the question of who? Who traded or sold the phone to Cricket? Shouldn't that be on record? Yes, it should. Or David could be involved or have information on her whereabouts. Was David supposed to answer that phone since it wasn't answered the first time or several months before that? Then out of curiosity, he answered it on the second try. I mean, six months did go past and someone's guard may have been let down a little. In order to check your voicemail without your actual phone in hand, you can call your phone number, enter your code and listen to the messages, delete messages and edit and record your voicemail recording. So again, why was Althea's voicemail recording changed from music to the standard name recording, and how was her voicemail recording still attached to her phone that was either sold or traded into Cricket Wireless? And also where I'm going with this, you don't have to have your cell phone in hand to change your voicemail recording. As I stated, you can call your phone and change and you know edit your voicemail that way. So it's not to say that whoever changed her voicemail recording, which is her voice on it, she didn't necessarily have to have her phone with her. Someone could have called her phone and had her record that recording. Someone would have needed to have her passcode to change this. And why put her voice on the phone with her seemingly being under some form of influence? Unless they wanted to put her voice on it to make a point. It just doesn't make sense. 
We ask those questions to help our readers and viewers to expand their thoughts and really dive deeper than surface level to hopefully ignite a new conversation and direction to solving this case and others we've covered and will cover. I also want to mention that Althita's sister Trina was murdered in New York in 1989, 20 years before the disappearance of Althita, and currently remains unsolved. Officials, however, do not believe her sister's murder is related to her case. So what do you think happened to Althita the night of January 19, 2009? Althita was last described as an African-American woman who stood at 5'7", weighing approximately 150 pounds, and left her home in pajamas and slippers, and possibly with a headscarf. Her vehicle was a dark green, four-door, 1995 Infiniti J30 with the Oklahoma license plate number 804ZPN. If you have any information on Althita Vault, her whereabouts, or any information on her disappearance, we urge you to contact the Tulsa Police Department at 918-596-9200. I want to thank you for your viewership of Althita's disappearance. I ask you to please share so we can all help bring Althita home to her family. Her children are desperate to find her, and so are we. Please be safe, be mindful of your surroundings, and may God bless and keep you all. I'm glad I'm able to cover this case. It has always struck me as strange and eerie. Just in a split second, you can be there one minute, then gone the next. It's not a lot of details surrounding Althita's case, but it is enough to be put back into the media rotation and looked at by fresh eyes. I feel like with Althita's case, it comes down to who called her that night and what did that person tell her for her to get up and just leave abruptly without announcement. It's that one solid piece of detail. Until people start talking, this case will remain unsolved and very cold. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Romans fifteen thirteen. Seven hours went by. I do after that that something was wrong. This is a woman who's doing nothing but raising her family, working hard.